Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. 15,000 total yards. Oh! is going to go all the way. 16 NFL seasons. Going to go deep down the far sideline. It is Touchdown, Steve Smith. Five Pro Bowls and countless memories. Have you seen this face? That means Steve Smith is in the clubhouse on WFNZ. Hi, sub, son. Well, you know what that means? He's back. Steve Smith Sr., NFL Network analyst, Carolina Panthers legend. He joins us every Tuesday at 1 o'clock to kick off the final hour. And Smitty is back with us on the Technicom hotline. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, but uh, you know it's today, Wednesday, bro. What did I say? Tuesday. Damn, force of habit. Wednesday it is. All right, then. So Wednesday afternoon. At one- <laughs> I have to double check. <laughs> Well, all right, Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Wednesday, my wife's birthday, so I know it ain't Tuesday. Okay, all right. Well, hey, you know what? I tell people sometimes, I say, you know what? Smitty might hurt your feelings every once in a while, but this man cares about Charlotte, and he cares about doing good for people. And I want to start with that because I saw a story that uh, came out from WCNC two days ago. Former Panther Steve Smith taking aim at CMS as he fights for nearly 5,000 homeless at-risk students. Now, you told me on this show last week there was some news coming out on that front. It did, and uh, as usual, I'm, I'm impressed, I'm inspired. Talk to me about what it is the Steve Smith Family Foundation is trying to do here. So here's what happened. CMS gets uh, federal money. CMS also knows uh, for their federal funding application, they have to keep a number, be able to input a number that uh, – kids that, that are serving that have barriers, um, lack, ho- uh, lack homes. Homes meaning if they live for the relative, if they live out of hotel, motel, live out of their car on a public or private uh, piece of property. And so they have 5,000 kids. Now, we know with this pandemic, that number could be 6,000, but that's who they have. So they have applied for federal aid and received it in June. They had no clear-cut plan. And when we tried to uh, reach out to city partners, we got some help, and they said, hey, we got an 8,000-square-foot facility that another company went under, and we got cubicles, all their office space, 8,000-square-foot. We came to CMS. CMS said, sure, we got enough funding for 35 kids. Now, I blew a blanking gasket because you received the federal money in June, now come August, and all you got is 35, 35 over off of 5,000, 
only number this is good for is if you're getting a a freaking mortgage, 0.345%. That is what the number that they're contributing and they have funding for for these 5,000 kids that they already received funding for in June. And so now the story is, because I'm involved, well, we've reallocated it. That means to re, that must mean you had to initially not. Yep. Right. To repeat something means you have to do it the first time to be able to repeat it. So they're reallocating. So now I'm pushing for investigation and an audit because you got you get money for these kids, but you don't you don't plan to invest. And we talk about systemic racism. We got brokenness in our system. And so if you can't and, and most of these kids are kids of color. Right. Black, brown, Latino, Asian, you know, some Caucasian. But basically, at the end of the day. If we're going to advance to give our future kids an opportunity, we can't screw them over day one, which is right now. We got till Thursday to get this stuff together so we can get these kids in school. And all they really got is money is for 35, man. It's unacceptable. And what's my angle? I, my kids go to private school. I don't, I don't need to be involved in this. But the next whatever doctor president must be taken care of mm-hmm. it, because a stranger – took care of me by donating to the University of Utah and became and gave me an opportunity to be here in Charlotte. So without a whole bunch of strangers, because that, you know, we talk about millennials, man, this is about, a, it, it takes a village to raise a family and we're part of that village. And so I'm, I, I'm just, something got stuck up in me that I am pissed off with passion for these kids who I don't have a dog in a fight, Yep. but here's the problem. If we keep turning our eye to our community, we are worried about why our community keeps turning our eye on us. Smitty, let me stop you there real quick because I, I hear my phone lines lighting up in the background right now, and I have no doubt people are calling to find out more to ask how they can help. How can they help? So they can, how they can help is go to stevesmithfamilyfoundation.org. We have it on there, in-kind gifts. We're right now accumulating an Amazon wish list so people can – Go in there and don't think you got to have a whole bunch of money because think about this. If, if a million people donate $25, then we fix the problem. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I'm not giving a cotton-picking dime to the CMS school district when they've already showed me their track record and get ready to dump me. They f- today. Ooh. So why am I going to entrust them to now do the right thing? Because COVID and homelessness did not start yesterday. This f- has been here for a while, and now somebody with some cojones is exposing them all right do me hey do 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 me a favor do me a favor i can i can only dump you twice in like 20 seconds do me a favor you got to help me out i can only dump you twice in 20 seconds you got to help me out i'm just man it's just it's it's sickening bro i'm with you it's sickening that we we pay look you if they would have gave me a reprieve and go ahead and let me not take half of my damn one of my signing bonuses we can get this taken care of automatically i'm a taxpayer what y'all doing my taxes I'm with you. Hey, you you know I'm passionate about this too, and I told you whatever you need from us to help, we're right there with you because it's shameful. Here's what we need: we need our we need our leaders to quit hiding behind the desk, yep, virtually doing nothing at the house, and start to get the, start to get themselves working. Get in the office if you ain't gonna work at home. Hey, I'm with you. It's it's shameful. It truly is, buddy. It is. I appreciate the work that you're doing, and I can't stress this enough to people. They're out here doing real work in the community, and I, I appreciate it very much. All right, let's let's. Well, I, other folks down. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now you now you and I both know these people want to hear some things about football from you, so I, I want to talk yeah. to you about something that I got to earlier. And I told people the day that Matt Rule was introduced, 
as the head coach over there in that bubble. I was leaving the press conference, and I stopped by, and I tapped you on the shoulder, said hello, and I said, what do you think? And you looked at me, and you said, I like him. I like the guy. What is your evaluation to this point of Matt Rule? What do you think? What I like is, obviously, I have inside track because of my relationship with the organization that they have initiated and allowed me to to kind of really sit in and understand and have open dialogue. And then also because I'm an NFL analyst and hearing some of the stories about other coaches uh, on the team, uh, scouting reports, scouts, all of that stuff. And basically Matt Rule has done what everybody else does. He's took this team to the dentist. He's gotten rid of the things that have slowed this team down. And I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about systematically saying, and this is what I mean, he's saying, what do we see as a Carolina Panther? What qualities do we want? And he asked for the input of all his coaches, the, uh, the pro side, the, uh, the college side, to know what is a Carolina Panther standard and went through the whole organization and asked everyone, and then they put it on paper and said, this is how we're going to draft. I like that. He's coming in there. And when I say cleaning it out, just meaning getting rid of pro not talking to the to the college scouts and the college scouts looking down on the pro is it's a lot of infighting, you know, different shows have different opinions, mm-hmm. but yeah, y'all under the same umbrella. So that's what I mean by rooting it out as meaning oh, uh, getting, getting rid of the cub- cubicles and having these desks all linked up together and doing it like a board meeting room and making sure that every investment they have is going to help the team. And that's what I mean by that. And, and some guys, obviously, you know who I'm talking about on the multiple fronts? They said we can move on from this guy. We can let this guy walk because of this. And instead of panicking, what they do? They lost their quarterback on the defense with Luke Keekley. And what they do? They drafted seven guys to say, hey, we know we got one or two guys that'll go there, but let's give it a try to make sure other five, and if they contribute, great. If they don't, we don't lose anything, but we have them. I just love what they're doing, what I'm hearing. And also, he's an offensive-minded coach. He knows how to handle an offense. He knows that he can't handle a defense the way these two teams in our conference or division with, with Tampa Bay and, and, and New Orleans Saints and then obviously Atlanta. So he's saying that we got to do some things differently. And he expects perfection. You saw the DJ Moore interview I did. He talked about DJ said that, you know, he's been said that he won't coach and uh, CMC that coach wants perfection. He expects this and this. So you, you see the attitude is changing and it's not that coach Rivera's attitude was, was bad. You, they, Matt rule says, I need you to have a Matt rule attitude and that's different. And you gotta, you gotta implement that. That's what training camp is for. Break down what you believe is a Carolina Panther, build into what you, what we want. And then we can go play football. That's, that's the purpose of training camps. Steve Smith with us on the Technicom hotline. You alluded to it. You had sit-downs with DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. What are the highlights? Um, I mean, I had two great young guys on their studs, and I'm excited to see how they're going to do in this offense. Are they going to take that leap? Christian McCaffrey, how can you say leap, Steve? Which is he's done an outstanding job thus far. But we all know you got to do it every year. And not saying that I'm doubting I'm just kind of talking about what a player believes. player doesn't believe. A, a real pro doesn't go in there and say, well, I, I just hope I can do as good as last year. No, you train, you practice, you prepare, and you attack practice every day like you're a rookie. And, and, and CMC does that. DJ Moore in his first three years has done an exceptional – in first two years has done an exceptional job. 
but you and I know he can do better because we've seen the talent. And also, too, what's the standard? Julio Jones, uh, Michael Thomas, those guys are here. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those are the standards that he's chasing. Now, people can say that I'm hating. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm sick and tired of hearing it, even some of these folks on YouTube. I'm not jealous of DJ Moore. I'm 41 years old. <laughs> I played in this league for a long time. What I do expect out of him, of our conversations man-to-man is, he has so much talent. I don't want to see him check in a game and check out of a game. That's just the professionalism and the home, home team that's still in me that if the fans continue, they're going to nudge it out of me is I want our team to play well because then I can sit at home and interview our team instead of getting on the airplane and going to talk to some of these other teams. So there's nothing for me to be jealous about because if he's successful, I get to do my job. There you go. If not, I go on your talk show or, or your radio show, and I have to analyze, and then people saying I'm hating. So I'm going to tell you right now, hopefully God win and I'm going to the Hall of Fame. I'm not jealous of a dude that I'm thankful I don't have to go through that process anymore. So get off your soapbox, and if y'all come at me again, I'm going to bop somebody in the face in the public. <laughs> Try me if you want to. Today is not today. <laughs> Hey, I, hey, before I let you go, I, I will get to the rest of this football stuff next week. I got people on my text line and my phone lines begging me to tell you, or ask you one more time how they can help. How can they get you money? How can they donate? People are begging me to find out how. The Steve Smith Family Foundation.org. Go to our website. There is a link. You can donate. It's basically $200 gives a kid, a child, an opportunity to virtually learn and get support with teachers, aides, and tutors to help them go through their virtual stuff. PPE. They need daily snacks. We are literally in uh, for 36 weeks. We really want to get two, 300 kids. We've also aligned ourselves with uh, Urban League as well to have they have a virtual space as well. We trying to help our kids still learn this pandemic because here's why. This time right here is a pandemic. However, this generation has the ability to show that they're resilient, and they have come out of storms better. And that's the kind of men and women that can lead our country when me and you are old and no one wants to hear our voice anymore. Yep. Yep. Good stuff, buddy. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Next week, you won't use a dumb button. But look, if I can't fight for our kids, then gosh darn it, you know, other folks have to, but we got to do it collectively. We're right there with you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate Steve Smith Sr. with us on the Technicom Hotline. And again, the Steve Smith Family Foundation. I got people blowing up the text line saying they want to donate, they want to get involved. This man's passionate. I've made a lot of friends in this business. He's at the top of the list. I love that guy. I really, really do. And he, he is, I told you earlier, he hurts some feelings. He breaks some eggs. I get it. Some people don't like the brashness. They don't like how, what, characterize it how you want to. He cares. He's passionate. That's why I love him, man. All right, we'll come back. We'll react. We got more to get to, including some audio you got to hear. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio, FNZ. Get your opinions raw every day. Listen to Wilson and Parcel anywhere on the radio.com app. This is Sports Radio, FNZ. Back. 
Back on Sports Radio FNZ with you on a Wednesday after, I don't know, let's call it an explosive conversation with Steve Smith Sr. You, Smoke, you didn't pull any muscles over there uh, using the dump button, did you? No, but my nor- my nerves are tore up. <laughs> <laughs> Your nerves are shot, huh? He tore them up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all know Smoke pretty well by now, but I wish you could see his face. Your, your nerves really are shot all to hell, aren't they? <laughs> At least he gave me the warning this time. He so did that, give you the warning about the dump button. But I didn't expect the second one to come, and I was like, I, I mean, I just have to press it. Like, that's all I can hope for. Oh, man. Yeah, he, uh, Smitty did give Smoke a bit of a heart attack. He, he did tell him, get ready to use the dump button, but... I guess it doesn't make it that much or any less stressful. He did, though. And if you want to donate, and I, I couldn't I couldn't suggest... Here's the thing. People ask you to donate money all the time. You know, for this cause or that cause to this foundation or that foundation. And as we all know, some are more legitimate than others. You know, and, and I forget what the rating system is called, but there's there's a rating system out there to rate charities and nonprofit foundations as to, you know, which are better at allocating the most percentage of their money to the actual cause versus administrative and so on and so forth. The Steve Smith Family Foundation is out doing real work all the time. It's it's why we partner with them. It, it's why you can see them out there so visibly in the public holding events and not just, you know, the let's have fun type of events, but, you know, out here on the streets helping people. And, and he's passionate. He really is. He's a Southern California kid who played at Utah, but he will tell you time and time again, this is his city. He cares about the people of Charlotte. And I got people blowing up our text line, the building center text line and calling the Asa Abloy phone lines wanting to know where they can donate. Uh, just go to Steve Smith family you know, Steve Smith Family FDN.org. You can find out all about them. They're trying to take care of homeless students throughout the Charlotte Mecklenburg School System area and make sure they have what they need after this story over at WCNC revealed that uh, CMS has to reallocate this money now because they're about 5,000 homeless students, but they're saying they have money after getting money for only about 35 of those students, which it's so fractional. It's, it's hardly worth discussing. So check it out. You can help Smitty and his foundation out in that way. And I feel really good about telling you your money will be uh, well spent and it will go to the right places. All right. We've had a lot going on throughout the course of this show. We opened up talking about the Panthers. And that is why I wanted to get Steve to give us his opinion on Matt Rule. I, I, Smoke, what did you think of what Steve had to say about Matt Rule? I'll start there. What did you think? I mean, I think he feels like that. Matt Rule's probably as, as successful as Ron was here in Carolina. You know, things had to change just because, you know, we've heard the stuff over the years that hearing the same voice for a certain amount of time can sometimes lead to not the response that you want, and it falls on deaf ears. And I think part of, you know, Matt Rule coming here is he's a new, fresh voice. He comes from a completely different background compared to Ron. Ron has always been in the NFL. He was a former NFL player, and, you know, pretty much all of his coaching career has been in the NFL. Then you look at Matt rule. Yeah. He has an NFL background for one year, but he's mainly been a college guy, but at the same time, he's not, uh, he doesn't come across as one of those college coaches that we've seen in the past, like a chip Kelly or Nick Saban, like prime example of what you said in Monday, you know, him allowing kids to go to uh, his players to take their kids off to school for the first day. That's something that probably would have never happened with Nick Saban when he was in Miami. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think that it's obvious at this point that, you know, guys around this business who've been around football, they, I mean, they, they respect the hell out of Matt Rule. That's why the expectations from those same people are as high as they are. They really are. And and speaking of Rule, here's uh, Trey Boston 
when asked about uh, you know Matt, about Matt Rule and this narrative that he's somehow a dishonest guy. Coach is a a, a guy who's going to be very honest. Uh, whether he's never played a down, he's going to let you know. You know, or whether he's you know played in college, um, he's going to let you know. Uh, so I think you know with him, you know he, he can relate, but he also you know lets you understand that hey man. If I don't have the question or, or the answer, uh, I can give it off. And, uh, you know, I think guys are, you know, they're willing to respect that. Uh, so often we have, uh, you know, definitely coaches who, you know, uh, definitely believe in everything they coach. But, you know, Coach Rule's a guy at the head coach position who I think, you know, is, is you know very honest with his players, allows us to come to him whenever we need him. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it just allows us and other players to feel comfortable um, in this aspect, even though, you know, this is the, the NFL. So that's Trey Boston on his new head coach. I got Blake still kind of getting after me on Twitter right now, saying that, uh, you know, I'm labeling people who have Panthers criticism as hating. And, you know, he, we had a discussion about whether or not, uh, you know, DJ Moore is a top-tier player because I said all these top-tier players on the roster, are, they have ca- or Matt Rule's back. It's obvious. I, I mean, first of all, there is a difference between criticism and hating. Valid criticism is always welcome. I would encourage anybody, and you specifically, Blake, but anybody, give me the valid criticism of Matt Rule. Not just the, oh, he said something in a press conference that I didn't like. Or, you know, he's making them wear red jerseys with the number one on it. That must mean he hates Cam Newton, and it's another shot at Cam Newton. That stuff's petty. Like, that's high-level coaches, high achievers in life. They don't think like that. Unless there was some egregious wrong by Cam Newton done to Matt Rule, there is no reason to think that Matt Rule spends any portion of his day thinking about a guy that doesn't play for him and likely never will. High achievers don't think that way. They just don't. That some, you know, and, and everybody's wired differently. But, you know, these type A's, the alpha males, the high achievers, they don't spend any time allocating their brain power and, and, and natural resources to things like that. Matt Rule's concerned about building an organization, building a team, coaching up Teddy Bridgewater, coaching up the offense, trying to build this young defense. It's all he cares about. I'm just telling you, after being years and years or years around college football coaches, you know, at the big-time college and now NFL level, these guys all think that way. The successful ones do anyway. And and that's that's not the way this guy operates. So valid criticism, you know, of scheme, of, you know, touches, of, of, of snaps, you know, that stuff's completely, completely valid. But to this point, without the man having coached a game, much of it's just hating. That's all it is. Lingering resentment lingering anger over some things that Matt Rule had nothing to do with. All the, the, You got people out here just looking for perceived slights. I think this guy's going to be good. Maybe he isn't. Maybe he won't be. But I think he's going to be really good, and I think he's done the right things to this point for the most part. All right. Uh, we had some more people writing in earlier saying, hey, let's talk about the NBA draft. NBA draft lottery tomorrow night. Strange time of year for it. I saw uh, Kelly in Vegas uh, she's one of the handicappers out there, one of the known handicappers in Vegas yesterday saying, you know, about this time of year in August, I'm usually just holed up in a sports book uh, with nothing on but baseball, kind of prepping for the NFL and college football. And this year's just, it, it's a whirlwind. It's a smorgasbord of sports. So it is fun. It's exciting. So it's easy to get caught up in the fact that we got the NBA draft lottery tomorrow. Now it's normally, it's about five months earlier normally, but that's where we are given the COVID shutdown. So the draft lottery tomorrow night, we're going to find out where the Hornets pick. And I'm looking at another mock draft right now. And boy, I tell you what, about the only consensus I see across a lot of these mock drafts is that Anthony Edwards from Georgia 
is in the top three of just about, you know, every mock draft that I see at this point. Other than that, I don't see a whole lot of consistency at all. Now, before I dive into some of these players, Rick Bunnell, give me this smoke. Well, on, on, give me 16. Rick Bunnell yesterday joined the show and, and here are his, his thoughts on what the Hornets likely draft options will be. You know, I think it's very dangerous to look at this roster and think about needs because Mitch has, has signaled so clearly that, you know, roster balance right now is not his priority. I do think that Wiseman or Avia definitely address areas where they really need help. So, look, I like Avia too. Rick, is, Rick has really been all over Denny Avia. I, I like him a lot. Draw some Luka Doncic comparisons as far as the EuroLeague goes, he's the guy people are talking about. And I, I don't cover the EuroLeague, so that's just what I read. Okay, full, full disclosure. I don't watch EuroLeague basketball, but that's that's what I read. Anthony Edwards is only the consistent name that I'm seeing top three. Maybe LaMelo Ball at this point, who is interesting, but I hate, I hate how much I hear about LaMelo. But you, you think I'm about to say LeVar Ball. No, I hate how much I hear about LaMelo Ball's refusal to play defense, Smoke. I know why you're laughing. You thought I was going LeVar Ball with that, didn't you? Yeah. No. Well, yes and no. I mean, I don't want to deal with LeVar Ball either. But, like, the problem for me with LaMelo Ball is that too many respected basketball guys have told me, this guy has no interest in playing defense. I don't. We don't need that on this Hornets roster. You don't need that. If you're a market where you have to draft and develop and make savvy trades, you're not a free agency destination, at least not yet, which I still think is possible, but it's a ways down the road. You cannot afford to, t- to draft guys like that. Not when this many respected basketball voices are telling you he's got tools. He's definitely improved. His offensive game is certainly you know impressive, but he doesn't even look like he wants to play defense most of the time. That ain't good because defense is 90% want to. And if you don't want to, I don't want you. And that's just the way I feel about it. I mean, that's, that's always been my approach to the game. You want talent. No question. No question. But I, I don't want anything to do with that at all. I mean, Anthony Edwards, eh, he, I think Rick made some great points about that. You know, that was eh, I, not in that cut, Smoke. Yesterday, him, him saying that Anthony Edwards is, I mean, Georgia wasn't that great. You know, so how much did he elevate them? It it, almost, it sounds a lot like the situation with Ben Simmons at LSU because yeah. know, he was considered to be. I was the, thinking that too. He was considered to be a top prospect, ironically enough, two SEC schools that are not, well, LSU's had some better run as of late, but then again, that's because of other reasons. Uh you know, not been a basketball school, and then all of a sudden they get this top five, top ten recruit, and all the expectations on the world are on this player solely when the rest of the team is mediocre at best. And now this has happened. Like, Anthony Edwards is interesting, but I think it just kind of shows to how this class is so unpredictable. I think we could look at this class similar to 2013 where people said, oh, that's going to be one of the worst classes of all time. And it turned out to have some pretty damn good players in it. Guys like Giannis Adenokounmpo, Steven Adams, C.J. McCollum, some others as well that I'm, I can't name off the top of my head. But well, but every draft has them. Yeah, every, every draft every has draft them. Had, even the drafts where you're told that it's a, it's a shallow draft class, and this year that's the case. We're told it's a shallow domestic draft pool, that there's not as much talent as other years. And that, that's, that's very likely true, but in every single draft, you're going to find guys that become impact players in the NBA. Define impact how you want to, but they're there. So, you know, when you look at the, the draft lineup here, the, uh, the the projected order, and again, I just say projected because right now the Hornets, if you look at a mock draft, they're eighth. They have the eighth best odds to get the first overall pick. You know, they come in eighth. Uh, if you're looking at NBADraft.net, for instance, they have the Hornets taken on Yeko Gonkwu from USC with the eighth overall pick. 
235 pound uh, power forward slash center from from Southern Cal. Runs well, rim protector. You know, a little bit of an offensive project, but you know he's got he's got a skill set. I wouldn't hate it. You know, I, I like what I saw from Jalen McDaniels last year in terms of his late season development. He didn't look scared. He looked like he belonged out there. I liked what I saw from him. He's got a ways to go, but I like it. Get longer, get some guys that can shoot the basketball, get yourself a rim protector. That could make some sense. This particular mock draft, and I've referenced this one a couple of times, but I'm fascinated by it. This one has James Wiseman going seventh to Chicago. You know, again, a slot ahead of the Charlotte Hornets. 7-1, 235, center out of Memphis. Only played, I think, three games for Penny Hardaway because of eligibility issues. He's a little bit more of a wild card, but at 7-1 with that wingspan and at least presumably the the ability to step out and knock down a jumper, that's interesting. You know, that's the kind of guy I think the Hornets are probably going to be targeting. I know we hear best player available, and that makes sense to me too. But I don't know. There's only one position this team could draft that I just wouldn't be super thrilled about, and that's point guard. And that, that's the only thing that I think I would not really love. Otherwise, go get the best player on the board. If you can, if this team, I know, it's you, you shouldn't even say it out loud. Smoke's going to jump on me. If, if this team can land a top four pick, they got a 26% chance to land a top four pick tomorrow night. First, second, third, or fourth. You land in the top four, and you can get your hands on Obi Toppin out of Dayton. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. All day long. I'll take Obi Toppin and Teal and Purple all day long. And I think James Borrego would too. And Mitch Kupchak. So I'm excited about tomorrow night. Ping pong balls, they fire me up. I'm all there for it. We'll see how it goes. Whew. Today's been a day. It's been fun. Let's do some more when we come back. We'll catch you up on the rewind. We'll talk to Wilson and Parcel. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. All you need to know, the best sports knowledge resides right here. Listen to Wilson and Parcel anywhere on the Radio.com app. This is Sports Radio FNZ. You know, this reminds me. Right before the great sports pause of 2020 smoke, uh, Roman and I were supposed to get Bubba Sparks on the podcast. I guess we still have to do that. We, we were all set to get Bubba Sparks on the podcast, and then, well, the world went to hell. So I guess we got to do that at some point here soon. Welcome back. Sports Radio FNZ. One final time. Kyle Bailey, Evan Smoke, Ludwig, the boys from Wilson and Parcel coming up here in about 22 minutes. One or both of them will stick their heads in the studio and we'll, we'll chat with them coming up here in about five or six minutes. But before I get to the rewind smoke, you never did tell me what you learned in class yesterday. That is a new requirement on the show where you're a, a full-time college student. You're going to be taking some classes in your fall semester. So there'll, there'll be a day or two where you'll, you'll get here a little bit later. What did you learn in class yesterday? Yeah, I'm almost there. I got, I got one more semester after this. There so. you go. So hopefully, uh, you know, Look, my, te- my respect for teachers have already gone up as it is. You know, my, my mom's been a teacher for 20-plus years. My grandma was a teacher for 40, 50 years. Man, it is weird right now in class. Oh, I bet it is. Just I've... just seeing all the – like just half the students are in Zoom classes. It is something I've never seen before, and I feel like, you know, people's respect for teachers need to go way up if it hasn't already. All right, so what did you learn in class? Uh <laughs> – Got a rubric, uh, you know, certain assignments are due. Oh, it was syllabus day. Yeah, syllabus day. It's well, that's all you got to say is that it was syllabus day. 
I, I thought I had to come up with something because I thought you would have been disappointed. No, then you just say day. it's syllabus day. Everybody knows what syllabus day is. You show up to give you a piece of paper telling you all that you're going to learn that semester when your assignments are due. And did, well, okay, is your syllabus day where like they hand you the paper? This is what's going to happen. You go over it, then you leave, or did they make you stick around for a lecture? Uh, it was a lecture. So then you did learn something. It was a lecture of what assignments are going to be due. Or something. I think my assignment uh, for one of the projects I have to do for like one of the bigger ones. Okay, then life. you didn't have a lecture. You just went over the syllabus. I get it. I get it. I understand where it, you're going it's with. It's now that. On, online now because especially now with COVID, like they're not going to have hand to hand contact with paper, so you know have to use it on Canvas. Hopefully that doesn't crash like it did Monday. <laughs> All right. All right. So, uh, look, we, we got still some more things to get to here. Good conversations today about the Panthers, about college football. I, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's show, getting Luke, uh, Luke DeCock back on the show tomorrow because his column in the Raleigh News and Observer got me all sorts of fired up this morning. You know, Luke, and, and it's not that I fundamentally disagree with everything that he wrote. It's simply that, you know, he's using what happened or the decision made in, in Chapel Hill a couple of days ago to go back to full remote learning as a reason to say, well, if you, if this is going to happen and you still want to play college football, then this is the ultimate reveal of the sham that is amateurism in college athletics. Well, man, look, I don't think that's true. And, and, and don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't think amateurism has, hasn't been exposed, but that, I think, happened a, a long time ago to anybody who was paying attention. I don't think that you know playing football in this setup is somehow a smoking gun at all. Because I, I used this analogy earlier, and I'll keep using it because some people are, are painting this. Not everybody. Some people are painting this as if these players are going to be driven in on a prison bus in shackles to these stadiums and forced to play. Most of these guys are telling you they want to play. Parents of these kids are, by and large, telling you they want them to play. Not, not all. And for some people and some athletes and some families, the right decision is to opt out of the season. Wake Forest wide receiver Sage Sherratt did earlier during the show, before lunchtime, I believe. Sage Charette opting out of the 2019 season. Maybe his brother Chaz out at North Carolina does the same thing. That's got, got some people on the building center text line earlier telling me they think he will. I don't know. All I know is for some people that is the right decision. Students should be able to opt out and remain on scholarship and taking classes. I think that's the right thing to do. And, and by the way, I've noticed most universities offering that as an option. But so many of these guys want to play. And if the, the testing and safety protocols are there, why can't you let them? Because if things really start to go south in these de facto bubble environments, I'm talking about specifically these environments where students are learning remotely, you know, and, and players are still able to construct this sort of de facto bubble that doesn't cost anything. Sean Salisbury made the same point earlier in the show. If you can do that and do it safely, what's wrong with that? I, I don't understand what's wrong with that because the option is if they don't play, you're either sending them home, you know, many of them in unstructured environments. It doesn't matter how you know nice your home is or how nice your neighborhood is. I know some of the, the people out there love to go directly to, well, some of these guys are going back to rough neighborhoods and rough. Not everybody's like that. But I, I think unstructured is the key phrasing. No matter how much money you have or come from, unstructured. You know, guys not having the same motivation to, to stay out of trouble, to avoid the crowds, to wear the masks, to social distance. For many of these guys, that is the motivation. And there is the, I think, positive byproduct of playing the season, doing the thing that some, a lot of these young athletes want to do, and giving the American public something to look forward to. I think there are wins here. It doesn't mean you don't care about the virus. It doesn't mean you don't care about people's safety. It doesn't mean I don't care about your grandma. Because I've been on this show telling people to stop complaining in Costco about wearing a mask and to stop calling the damn thing a hoax. Two things can be true at once, and you can find some middle ground. And I think this may end up being the middle ground. If it's not right for individuals, okay. That's cool. I respect it. Everybody should. 
But stop vilifying people who want to play college football. There's nothing wrong with that. If it turns out to not be possible, then, hey, that's just life. I'll find something else to do with my time on Saturdays. <laughs> I have other hobbies. Most of us do. But, but stop vilifying people for wanting to do the thing that they love or wanting to see the thing that they love. All right, we got to catch you up on what you've missed. It's time for the Rewind. Why do we only have two cuts? All right, earlier in the show, Sean Salisbury thinks Teddy Bridgewater will have success in Charlotte. A great learning experience watching after what he went through in Minnesota and to see Drew Brees operate. And then to have that success, I'm a big believer in the mental and the, the, the confidence level. To have the success he had when Drew was out is going gonna, gonna to work wonders for him. Now he's got to realize he doesn't have quite the perimeter players that he had in New Orleans. He doesn't have to do it all himself. Get the ball to the guy behind you. He's pretty good, and I think he's going to be fine. But he does have the right coach. Follow Joe Brady's lead, Matt Rule. Teddy Bridgewater will have some success. Man, Sean Salisbury was all over it today. Great conversation with him. Check that out. Uh, WFNZ.com. Uh, brand new, by the way. WFNZ.com. New website. Looks awesome. The digital folks did a wonderful job with that. Shout out to Jason Huber and company. Check it out there or, of course, the Radio.com app. And later in the show, Steve Smith Sr., NFL Network analyst, Carolina Panthers legend, on DJ Moore being held to a higher standard. He can do better because we've seen the talent. And also, too, what's the standard? Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, those guys are here. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those are the standards that he's chasing. Now, people can say that I'm hating. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm sick and tired of hearing it, even some of these folks on YouTube. I'm not jealous of DJ Moore. I'm 41 years old. <laughs> played in this league for a long time. What I do expect out of him, of our conversations man-to-man is, he has so much talent. I don't want to see him check in the game and check out of the game. That's just the professionalism and the home home team that's still in me that if the fans continue, they're going to nudge it out of me. Is I want our team to play well because then I can sit at home and interview our team instead of getting on the airplane and going to talk to some of these other teams. He's rough on DJ. But he doesn't dislike him. He wants to see the guy succeed for all the reasons that he laid out during the conversation. During that conversation, he also told you all about the work his foundation's doing to try to help the roughly 5,000 homeless students in Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system. So, you know, check that interview out, too, on, you know, the Radio.com app. Download it. Use the Rewind feature. It's like DVR for radio, any segment, any show. For a 24-hour period, you can jump back and forth. Download the Radio.com app today. I see Nick Wilson sauntering toward the door. One of the two, one of the two Wilson and Parcel gentlemen will join us coming up in just a second. Here, been a big day. Good, good Panthers discussions. Training camp rolling on, and and it continues to be a team that has this fan base. I think pretty polarized, and not in a necessarily bad way all the time. Just you, you have people that are either very much involved and, and active and engaged in the beginning of a rebuild, uh, and, and a brand new era of Panthers football. Then you seemingly have those who are just. Anywhere from apathetic to uh, resent, the resentful of Matt Rule, I think, maybe David Tepper, too. The, the ongoing Marty Herney stuff is just, well, it's that. It's ongoing. You know, so long as he's here and until he, unless he takes a big step forward or makes some wow type of moves or prove, proves that he's making some wow type of moves, people will continue to be skeptical of Marty Herney just because he represents the connection to the past. And, and I know a lot of people have been asking, hey, what, what about the future plans to bring in another GM or to have somebody take his place? Well, I, I'm curious about that myself. I'm also very curious to see how much the 
COVID-19 pandemic impacts what they do on that front. Because we told you yesterday, Joe Person reported the Panthers already went through one round of layoffs and furloughs. Another one came yesterday. 20 employees either laid off or furloughed, I think reportedly through February. So they are making some tough decisions over there in that building. And I, w- I don't know how Marty factors into that. I really don't. And I, I mean, David Tepper's got boatloads of money, but he likes Marty. A, has shown a lot of faith in this guy, has really had his back publicly when it comes to evaluation and whatnot. But also, you know, it's not as if there's a massive buyout, so it wouldn't cost a ton of money if they wanted to move on. But do they want to spend that kind of money right now, staring down the barrel of some lost revenue, a lot of lost revenue, you know, in, in a, a limited season with very few fans in the stands? So I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I get that it's a valid question. I get why people want to know. But I, I think right now it's kind of a wait and see thing. NBA playoffs underway right now. Nets and Raptors. Early in this one, 12-5. The Nets leading it. Not a great start to the Bailey bets there, Smoke. We got Raptors minus 11 and a half in this one. Yeah, maybe the uh, Nets decide to fight back after a tough one on the cheek there. (laughs) But then again, the Nets, uh, they are very, very shorthanded right now. Yeah, no, that's, well, that's the thing. That's, I still like the Raptors. We got a long way to go. Hell, what was it, a week and a half ago? It was, it was the Bucks and the Heat, I think, right? The Heat were up 23 points and blew a 23-point lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So it, we know it's possible. Like that. that, and I remember that game like for the Hornets and the Bucks earlier this year where your dad's like, oh, dang, the Hornets are up 10 against the Bucks," And then you're like, yeah, that can quickly change. That, yeah, they'll rip off a 20-point run and, and like that. So when the Heat blew that 23-point lead, I was irritated, but I wasn't the least bit surprised. For the Bailey Betts folks out there you know, who are following along, we got the Raptors minus 11.5. It's probably – you can do some live betting. But it's too late for that one to get in on, get in on the original line. Uh, we got Raptors covering 11 and a half. Uh, we got Jazz and Nuggets over 217. Uh, that game, I believe, coming up at 4 o'clock on TNT. And then later tonight, we got the uh, the Seager series, Dodgers and Mariners over 9 in that one. We got Urias going for the Dodgers, and uh, I think it was Walker going for the Seattle Mariners, if I'm not mistaken. I think we get runs. The Mariners are bad. They get the worst run differential in Major League Baseball. They just get lit up. Is it in? It's in Seattle, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think yeah. That ballpark has been a hitter's ballpark, especially with that short right front, uh, right front, right field uh, porch. I think they can get the ball out of there pretty easily. Yeah, I think so too. All right, we got to roll. Let's get on out of here and make way for Wilson and Parcel. And every day about this time, we tip our caps. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is back, and so are sports. Smoke, what you got? Tip my cap to Damian Lillard, another tremendous performance, and he's become one of the most uh, watchable NBA players over the last few months, or just specifically in the bubble, because, I mean, some of the stuff he's doing, 36 three-pointers, it's almost like it's, you're watching a, a different version of Steph Curry, the way he's shooting the ball from behind the arc. Mm. I'll tip my cap to Smoke. Did a good job today. We're back tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Wilson and Parcell up next for Evan Smoke. Ludwig, I'm Kyle Bailey. This has been the Clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Shake and bake. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? That just happened.